Margaret Thatcher. That's a good way of making us think on a rather warm Sunday morning. She said this in 1987. There is no such thing as society. There are individual men and women and there are families. I don't know whether you agree with that or not. But what she was trying to do was summarise what she felt was going on in the Western world. It's been really interesting to hear what Ben and Lucy have been saying about life over in the Gulf, that things are quite different. But in the Western world, what we've actually seen is a breakdown of society. Society is all about these connections that hold us together and make us sort of similar. And those things, I think, whether we agree exactly with what she says there, have started to happen. Now, communities are a bit different. <clears throat> communities are groups of people who sort of gather because they are connected in some way. So you have the community who live in Lim. We sort of gather around Lim because we live here. So that's why we're here. You have a community of dog walkers who walk around Lim Dam. You have a community of people who come to the gardening club in church here because they like gardening. But I think it's fair to say, if society starts to decay, community life starts to decay as well. What does it mean to be part of the community of Lim? Go on, perhaps one or two just shout out who live in Lim. What does it mean to be part of the community? Who involves themselves in the old-fashioned style community of Lim? Just put your hand up if you think that's you. Few hands going up. Who lives in Lim and doesn't really feel connected to where you live? few more hands going up. It's interesting, isn't it? Community is one of those words that we use for many people. And I was talking to some of our um, boys' friends' parents. Being in Lim really involves sharing a school, sharing the same water supply, looking at the same views, and driving on the same roads. And that is it. That is it for a lot of people. Community has broken down. We don't shop in the same places. We don't go to the same cafes to eat. Things become... Fragmented. You know what the result of all this is? Is loneliness. Loneliness. These are the most recent figures that the ONS have published. 5% of the UK population is always lonely. Not occasionally lonely, but always lonely. That's about three, three plus million people. 16 to 24 year olds are the most lonely age group. I thought that was really surprising. You know, they're so connected. You know, our younger generations who've grown up with technology, social media, everybody is connected, and yet still there is this loneliness. Isolation, renting, ill health increases loneliness. All these things put pressure on how we feel. And it's into this broken, lonely world that the gospel speaks, that the voice of Jesus needs to be heard. And just a casual glance at the New Testament really tells us that actually God is big on community. God is big on people being together, working together, sharing together. And he's particularly big on the church as community. You know, we are called as church the body of Christ. A royal priesthood. We heard that reading at the start of the service. If you read through the New Testament, all but three letters are written to groups of people, most of them to churches. You know, Paul writes to the church in Rome, to the church in Galatia, to the church in Ephesus. Even when he's writing to Timothy and Titus, it's all about church. It's not about individual sort of stuff. 
It's about church. It's community. It's based in groups of people. The letters in Revelation to the churches, they're to churches, they're not to individuals. They're to churches encouraging them to go on in their faith in Jesus. There are 59 one another phrases in the New Testament. Love one another. Care for one another. Instruct one another. Don't judge one another. Don't lie to one another. All these things. You can't one another on your own. It's impossible. You can't one another on your own. The church, disciples of Jesus, are called to be community. It's here, together, where we find our feet as disciples. Where we learn to live out what it means to be together, to be one another. So if you want to turn to the Bible, we're going to read just a few verses from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. If you've got a church Bible there, <coughs> it's on page 1143. It's also up here on the screen, if you've got very good eyesight. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's just pray, shall we? Lord, just in the quiet, we are amazed that you have called us to follow you. As we continue to look at what discipleship means, we consider it this morning just an, a great privilege and joy to be part of your church across the world. And so we think about what this means for us today, to be disciples in community. We, we pray that you will just open your word to us. Help us to see from these verses here some of the encouragements that you would place on us today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is such a, a big topic that we could go all over the place this morning. So what I'm going to do is stick very much with this passage and unpack this and not get too distracted by going into Acts or any of Paul's letters, otherwise we'll be here till this time next week. But this passage is all plurals. It's all about us, our, we, one another. One of the, the joys of, of being a, a church leader is that you get to hear all kinds of good news stories about people's lives, about what God is doing and what God is doing in different places. But also, sadly, the reverse is true. People sometimes tell you things that are just heartbreaking or, or just really discouraging. And a number of years ago, I had a conversation with a couple who'd been Christians, probably 30, possibly 40 years. And in that time, they had been part of every conceivable church in their locality. Baptists, Pentecostals, free churches, house churches, Methodists, Anglican, the list just went on. Any type of church you could think of, they'd been part of it. But they said to me, you know, we've never settled in church, and we don't believe God wants us to be part of a church. And I'm thinking, you know, that is tragic. That is really tragic. Because that is not what Jesus wants for us. Jesus wants us to be part of community. He wants us to live life one another, to work out what it means to be 
in a community of his people. I think as we read the Bible, providing our mental and physical health allow, and we don't live on a lighthouse or so isolated that there's nobody else near us, we are called in some way to be a part of a Christian community. We are called to be part of the body of Christ together. And this passage here, what happens is the first five verses are really the glue that will hold us together. The book of Hebrews is quite a complicated book. We'll just skim a little bit of the, the first part, you know, just give a bit of detail as to what's going on there. When you get to verse 19, you get a therefore. Therefore is always really important in the scriptures because it tells you that something big has just been talked about and then the writer is going to apply it to actually what this means in everyday living. And the writer of the Hebrews has just been going on at great length about Jesus being the high priest. And then he says, therefore, because Jesus is our high priest and he's also our Passover lamb, he's also our sacrifice who laid down his life for the sins of the world, because of the person and work of Christ, we can draw near to God. That is the summary of what is going on here. And he talks about passing through the curtain. We sung about this curtain this morning. I think it just needs a little bit of unpacking. Now, Hebrews is a, a very Jewish book. It's written to a Jewish audience, and it picks up on all kinds of imagery about the temple, about sacrifice, about how Jesus fulfills the role of priest, and so on. And when this book was written, it was written sometime before AD 70, because the temple was still standing. The temple was destroyed in AD 70. And what he's talking about here is in the temple, there were the outer courts of the temple, then you moved into the inner courts, and then eventually you came to a point where there was a huge curtain. Behind this curtain was the Holy of Holies. And this was the place of the presence of God. The only person who could go into the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And he went in once a year to sprinkle the blood of animals, to to atone, to pay for the sin of himself, his family, and the people of Israel. Nobody else could go in. The presence of God was cut off from everybody else. You needed the high priest to go in on your behalf. But actually what the writer says here is because of what Jesus has done, that curtain no longer applies. He is our once-for-all high priest. Matthew 27, 51 says, and this is when Jesus died on the cross, it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. So the good news is that we now have access to God. As community, we can draw near to God. This is a call to us as a community. There is no longer the need for a priest. No longer the need for anybody to do that on our behalf. Jesus is our high priest. And so the first thing we can say about the community of the church is that we are a community of faith. What makes us unique as church? What makes us not be this? But you like my sign writing skills. That's really impressive, isn't it? Lynn Community Rooms. What is it that's different about us than, say, the community centres around Lynn? You know, I've met people from the various community centres and schools and things like that. Some wonderful people. You know, people with a real heart for the community. But what makes us and the other churches who are following Jesus different? Well, it's simple. It's Jesus. It's what makes us different. We have a great high priest who has called us to draw near to God. Christ is not our only, reason for, only our reason for being, but he is with us. Where two or three are gathered, the Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus is present. The German 
um, theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote a lot about discipleship and community during the Second World War, said this, the church is not a religious community of worshippers of Christ, but he's Christ himself who has taken form among people. Jesus is here with us as we gather. So let's draw near in confidence. Draw near to God. Bring our lives before God. But before we get onto the application stuff in this passage, I think we need to ask a very simple question. Does our community center around Jesus? Is that the reality? Or could we take Jesus out and most of the stuff we still we do could still continue? The most crucial question I think a church can ask itself, are we a Jesus-centered community? Because the invitation has gone out to draw near with a clear conscience, with clean hearts. Are we Jesus-centered? You know, it's so easy to get sidetracked, isn't it? It's so easy to come to church and think, oh, it's about, it's about me, it's about what I like, it's about the things that I want to hear, rather than this all being about, about him, about Jesus, about what he has done. You know, how often have we sat at Sunday lunch and I hold my hand up as one who has done this regularly? And we've discussed the quality or otherwise of the sermon. We've discussed the type of songs that have been sung. We've discussed anything and everything but whether we have drawn near to Jesus. When was the last time after church, over coffee, you had a conversation not about church or about the stuff of church, but about Jesus himself? Do we chat about our faith regularly with one another? Is it obvious to us that Jesus is central? Big question. It's a question we need to keep asking ourselves. We're not only a community of faith, but we're a faithful community. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly. The week before last, um, we were on holiday. And one morning, me and Nathaniel decided to go hill walking. So we went up this hill. And have we got any Welsh speakers here? Bulchmauer, thank you. I've been wondering how you say that. I've just said we climbed this hill with an unpronounceable name. It's beautiful, isn't it, up there? Absolutely gorgeous. That's just on the, the start of the Lynn Peninsula, and it's open access land. It means there's no sort of made-up paths. You just walk wherever you feel is appropriate. So we climbed up, no problem at all. We were coming down, and we got to a point where there was a load of gorse bushes. So me being the, 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 the wonderful father that I am, <laughs> said to Nathaniel, don't worry, son. I will carry you through these gorse bushes. He has shorts on. I've got long trousers on. So you can imagine what's coming, can't you? I pick him up, and I go one step, two step, three step. Fourth step, I catch my foot on um, a root. And the two of us tip sideways into this gorse bush. I stand up as quickly as possible. My arm, by this point, is, is a cross between a pin cushion and a colander. So there's all, every, you know, everything stuck into my arm. And it is just literally pouring blood. I won't go into too much detail. Nathaniel is there sort of like beside himself, thinking I've really injured myself. And I'm, I'm there pulling these things out. Thankfully, it didn't hurt for too long afterwards. But you know, to me, that is an illustration of actually what life is sometimes like, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we're walking along, the sun's shining, it's, everything's great. And then suddenly, something breaks into our experience that we don't want, haven't asked for, and don't know what to do with. And that is true for us on an individual basis, but it's also true for us as a church basis, or churches, or even the church across a whole region or area. You know, we can take Knox as church, can't we? We can find ourselves struggling. I believe we're actually in very difficult times to be Christians in the Western world. 
there are different challenges here than there, are, than there have been for many, many years. I was, I was reading a letter in The Guardian the other day, and this is a summary of it. It said, I know that we need to have the right to believe what we want, but surely we have got to the point where religious beliefs need to be made illegal. Now, I don't think it's over-egging the point to say that actually there are people now who just dismiss anybody with faith as being some kind of nutter, as not having a coherent worldview, as having nothing to say whatsoever. It was tough out there. It's tough in the world that we live in. It's tough to be a Christian. People may be interested in spirituality, but they're not often interested in the Jesus we talk about. And I think for us, you know, when these kind of things that tip us over and sort of bruise us and batter us, we need one another to get through. If we're going to hold as church unswervingly, you know, not going off right or left, but taking God's word and keep moving forward, then we need one another. We cannot do it on our own. Be community together, not in isolation. But the writer has more to say. Spur one another on. It's only a few weeks till the World Cup. Yeah, all our hopes and dreams again are on England, who, of course, will win. (laughs) But what England will need, if they're to do anything, is supporters, won't they? They will need people to go along. They will need that group of brass players who only play four tunes to go and play in the stands and to cheer them on and to encourage them. You know, it's much easier, isn't it, when we're doing things, particularly sporting things or all kinds of things in life, when there's people round about us doing the same stuff, saying, keep going, keep going, keep at it, keep moving forward. There's a quote from a a pastor of an American church called Andy Stanley. He says, the primary activity of the church was the one-anothering one-another. When everyone is sitting in rows, you can't do any one-anothers. The one anothering, again, the spurring one another on. You know, our way of doing church, when we meet together today, you know, it's great to meet together in larger numbers. It is encouraging. It's great to know that actually, you know, there's not just two or three of us um, seeking to live out a Christian life, but we're with a whole big family of other Christians. But we can't love one another just here. We can't be community in a room full of 200 people. It makes a lot of this sort of one-anothering stuff, the spurring one another on, very difficult. The church that the writer of the Hebrews was writing to was probably just a handful of people, what we would call a small group. 10, 20, 30, probably couldn't have been more than that because this church would probably have met in somebody's hall. It would have been in, probably in a bigger person's house and probably seating you know, just people around in that hallway area. But in that kind of situation, you know, real relationships can be made. You can encourage one another when there's 20 of you. You can start to form those real relationships. There is a place where the potential for loneliness to be eased is real. Where the needs of one another can be met. Where community can be drilled down to individual relationships. You know, I sometimes think if we portray that this alone is church, church is something that is done for you and to you, not something we're all called to be part of together. If today, if this is your only expression of church that you come to is on a Sunday, can I encourage you to get involved in something else that's on a smaller scale? Will, Chris, just put your hands up. Go and talk to one of these two men. They will get you plugged into a small group 
where all of this one-anothering stuff becomes real, where you can spur one another on, where you can encourage one another to love and good deeds. Or it might be that actually, you know, get stuck into friends and neighbours, holiday at home, youth groups, whatever it is, whatever's appropriate for you. Because the writer says, spur one another on to love and good deeds. It's a delightfully vague phrase. It's not specific, but just to love one another, to care for one another, this agape love, this love that reaches out, desiring the best for one another. Good deeds, well, anything that's good, anything that's wholesome, anything that builds us up and encourages us to become more like Jesus. We need one another. But I think the key thing is this. If we can't do community well here, if we can't love one another here, if we can't be Jesus' hands and feet to one another, how are we going to learn to share Jesus to the world outside? If we can't talk with graciousness to one another, if we can't actually offer care and support when we need it, we can very easily just become, as Paul would say, the clanging gong, the noisy symbol. Something that is just making a lot of noise but not actually living out what we're talking about. But you know, if we are confident in our community, if we say actually here, amongst us, in the body of Christ that is Lynn Baptist Church, or part of the body of Christ that is Lynn Baptist Church, this real one-anothering takes place. That is something that speaks powerfully to our communities outside of this community. Something that is a powerful witness to Jesus. Fourth thing, a committed community. Life was tough as a first century Christian, really tough. I don't think we realize how difficult it was. Um, Persecution was sometimes real. People were killed for their faith. At all times, it was a kind of threat. It was always on the horizon. Would the church be persecuted? Would people be taken away and killed? But there was more than that. They didn't have the access to the New Testament like we have. They didn't have access to the scriptures. They may have had the letter that had been written to them, the the church that the letter to the Hebrews is written to, or the people may have had that. Well, they would have had that. They may have had one or two other bits of things floating around. But the church was tiny. You know, just as Ben and Lucy have been sharing this morning, it was that small group of people in a community that often believed all kinds of different things. And it was tough. It was really difficult to be Christians there. Sometimes visiting speakers would come through, sometimes they would be good, sometimes they wouldn't be. And as you read Paul's letters, you see that he's often correcting the church for going off down different roads that actually aren't the true gospel. And so we get verse 25. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's a verse with rich pickings for ministers trying to bolster attendance at church. But actually, what is at the heart of that verse? It's not just about attendance. It's not just about turning up. It's about encouragement. It's about one anothering again. And it's true, we can only one another when we turn up. If we're somewhere else, we can't be one anothered with one another, if that makes any sense. You know, lots of things in life are habit-forming, aren't they? You know, every morning, I more or less do the same thing. I'm sure we all do. I get up. It's normally the first thing I do. Have a cup of tea. I'll have a shower. I'll get dressed. I'll clean my teeth. I'll have my breakfast. And then I'll get on with whatever goes on in the day. That's a habit. Habit for me. You see, we can have good habits in life, but we can also have bad habits. We can be in the habit of coming to church, of going to our small group, of being in our prayer triplet, whatever it is. But we can also be in the reverse habit, 
where actually we're regularly not found in church. And the habit becomes that it's anything else, and then we might tag on a bit of our Christian community at the end. The result of being together, what does the writer say? Well, it's encouragement. What's the result of not being together? Well, we either miss that encouragement, or worse still, we become discouraged. The Christian community is not something that happens to you or around you, but it's something that happens when we follow Jesus and say, I'm in. I've got stuff to give, and I've got stuff to receive. I think it's both humbling and very exciting to think that all of us have stuff to bring to one another. And all of us have stuff to receive from one another. It's this one-anothering, again, of the Christian community. See, the one-anothers of the New Testament, they're not things that the church leadership impart to the church. You don't need priests and whatever to impart all this stuff to you. And it's interesting, that verse that Simon started the service off is the verse that I'm also finishing on. 1 Peter chapter 2, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then it goes on. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We share the life of Jesus together. And the question the writer asks us is a simple one. Are we committed to this? Are we committed to this one anothering? Are we going to do all this stuff? Are we going to be part of God's antidote to a society that is fractious and breaking down where loneliness is increasing? Or are we going to be found elsewhere, thinking that church is like a restaurant that we go and if we like the food we'll come back, or we'll come back when we feel like it? Very easy to do that. Because there is a warning at the end of this passage, not that passage, but the one in Hebrews. It says, all the more as you see the day approaching. The life of the church is time-limited to when Jesus returns. Time will run out for this one anothering. Time will run out for sharing Jesus, because Jesus will return in great glory. The writer says, because of that, keep doing this more and more. One another to one another. Do all this stuff. See, discipleship has to be together. We can't do it just on our own. We can do quite a bit on our own, but we need one another. It needs to be done in community. So just those four things, four questions. First one, are we rooted in Christ? We can ask that of our bigger church family here. You can ask it of your small group, of your prayer triplet, if you're part of one of those if you're part of a youth group, whatever it is, is that community rooted in Christ? Is our community or our communities faithful to Jesus? Do we actually spur one another on? Do we do it? Do we encourage one another? And are we in? Are we in? Are we part of this? Just going to leave that on the screen for a moment. Perhaps if the musicians could um, make their way back and then we'll, we'll just pray in a moment. So just think about those, reflect on those. Is there anything God is calling you to do today? Anything that needs to change in your own life?
Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Lord, may that be the the words that our community and our communities that make up Lynn Baptist Church, may those words be true for us. May we be a church that presses into your presence, that seeks more of you amongst us. May we be found to be Jesus-centered people. And I pray, Lord, that if any of our lives, if we're putting this discipleship together stuff to one side, if it's not priority at the moment, Lord, that you would gently encourage us back into those places so we can be encouraged, so we can be spurred on, so we can be moving forward as you would have us move. So we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.